And this week, I had every intention to return to the book of Ruth. Um, but I received a call from Phil Gesky on Friday morning, really, that, that changed my plans. And so, um, the Lord is directing my steps, if you will. Um, because really, I have an update for you regarding our search for a building. And the time is right to just communicate with you more things about potential purchase of a building. I want to give you a, a biblical perspective of our next step as a church. Take a whole sermon to do this. I've been thinking about this sermon ever since I put forth the uh, church potential purchase before you. Didn't know when it would come, but when Phil called Friday, I said, okay, well, now's the time. Um, so I'm taking a, taking a segue from Ruth, which is taking a segue from Hebrews, and so you understand. We'll, we'll get there. That's, that's my plan, and, and we're hoping. But anyway, some background you all know. I've been considering the purchase of Grace Reformed Baptist Church building on Alpine, just south of Harlem, between Harlem and, and Riverside. Seven weeks ago, we brought before you kind of an initial plan. Just said, hey, we've been out looking for buildings for a long time, but here's one we really think could be a potential property for us. Um, at first, we just kind of floated the idea of, hey, building in general. Is that, is that okay? What do, what do you think? Um, and um, very positive was the feedback. The only negative objection I had was from a child who uh, immediately after finished the service looked me dead in the face, kind of said, Mr. Brand, I got down like this. And he said to me, don't ever leave this place because I love it here at Rockford Christian. <laughs> that was a child. None of the parents have said that. I haven't heard a parent yet say, oh, I love this place because I love the setup, right? And I love the place because of its looks or whatever. Uh, haven't heard anybody say that. So very positive. We, we uh, pursued on two weeks later, kind of presenting you with a plan of moving forward. So there's lots of things to be done, but here, here's going to be our steps. First step is to get a firm price from them because no sense really looking at a building without a price. And also, um, we won't look there until we get a price. But do that first. Second... Get in the building, see it, evaluate, look at the property, kind of evaluate where everything is. And then third, see if we have sufficient funds to actually make the purchase. Um, at that time, when we presented that, we said, Phil, go deal with the realtors and uh, get a deal. And so it's been five weeks, Phil, you've been kind of working on that back and forth. I know I've been talking a little bit with you, you've been talking with other people. It's not just been Phil Lone Ranger out there, kind of been talking back and forth. Uh, we've given you several reports, which basically have been no reports. So there's not much. We're just kind of looking. I tried really in those reports to communicate with you that, you know what, we need to be content here. It's just fine. Um, they might say, tough luck, right, right about the church. We're going some other place. That'd be okay. I really tried to do that. I know that's been my heart all along. And uh, so I've talked with Phil this time. I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to happen. Sometimes like, I, well, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And sometimes back and forth and whatever. Thursday evening, he, he calls me, leaves a message. I'm out Thursday evening. He calls and leaves a message on my answering machine and, and says, uh, Phil, Steve, talk with the realtor. Give me a call. So I went to bed that night. It was too late. I got back too late to call him. Um, figuring he needs his beauty sleep. He needs a lot of it. <laughs> Um, so I, I went to bed with Yvonne and just said, you know, it means no deal or deal. And I had no, I had no idea what, what it was and was any of it. Well, anyway, Phil said, to make a long story short, that Grace Reformed Baptist Church agreed to uh, sell the building to us for $400,000. Remember, initially they were offering 500000 
and so $400,000. Haven't signed a contract yet. There's some more details to work out, particularly with the closing date. But things are close enough and the intention is there enough that we could bring it to your attention. Um, completion is still contingent on our approval. You know, it could be that we look at it and say no. I mean, that's very much a, a possibility. Um, but we have a price. I think it's a fair price. I think it's a good price. I mean, all, all throughout, Phil, my question always been to you, is, is, is that a fair price? I don't want to stiffen with something that's too low or go too high and it's a fair price, I think, is, is where things are. And so the next step really is to get all of you on the property, in the building, kind of look at it, um, to get your feedback. Until now, really only been seven of us has been there. However, the Iversons, you, Phil, uh, Tim anyway, went to church there for several years, your parents. And that maybe some of you have been there before, but really it's, it's unknown to you. So we will schedule a time for that. We've asked about next Sunday, perhaps, but not heard anything back from them. Uh, if we do... Here back, we'll email out everybody. I'll call everybody just to see if that goes. That's, that's kind of our hope. That'd be the next easiest time. But we want all of you to see it. Um, and want feedback regarding the building. I know there'd be lots of questions. You know, whatever costs. We've been looking at some of the, the costs. There might be some other red flags. You see stuff that I don't see. Um, Yvonne sees stuff that I don't see, that's for sure. And um, just put more people in there, see it. But the second, we're going to ask you how much you're willing to give towards this. Um, we don't have financial statements for you uh, this morning. However, I can give you kind of a brief, a brief deal. We have about 200. We have a little more than 260,000 in our church growth fund. So, who can do the math? 140. That's that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, $140,000 we need in addition to do that. I know oftentimes how these things work is uh, you know it's hard to give towards some kind of nothing ether space out there. But when there's a specific project. And you look at it, you say, this is potentially where we are. People can make one-time gifts above and beyond their regular giving. Um, and that's what we're seeking to do. Um, we do have about $30,000, $35,000 in our general fund. Lance, do you have a number on that? Exactly. Somewhere around there, huh? I'll get you back there. So we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just say there, you know, um, it's somewhere around $30,000. We could put that towards the building, but we don't want to deplete that. That wouldn't be a, a real wise thing to do, but could be done uh, if they had to be done. Um, but $140,000. And I know this question has really been lingering with you for seven weeks because um, we put it out there and we just kind of said, hey, you know, we don't have the money to buy it. Uh, you can maybe think about what, what you could do. And at some point we will ask you today. We're not asking you today. I want you to see it first. Uh, but having seen it, you can... Give us what you, what you think about that. But what today I want to do is really give you a biblical perspective on giving. And particularly a biblical perspective on giving towards a project like this. Um, just so we might, might understand um, just a, a, proper, a proper perspective of things. So to do that, I want us to turn to First Chronicles 29. So some of you are probably already there. You see it in your bulletins. Here we see David near the end of his life gathering funds to build a temple. He'd had this day on his heart for a long time. In, back in chapter 17 of 1 Chronicles, he considered building a, a building for the Lord. And he said to Nathan, his trusted counselor, he said, Behold, I'm dwelling in a house of cedar, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under curtains. And the implications there is we need to get a permanent place for the house of the Lord. I mean, after all, look, I, I live here in this solid house, and, and that's, the Ark of the Covenant is just in a tent. 
I mean, it's, it's a lot nicer being in a solid house than in a tent, and those of you who can't know that. Um, but for 400 years, it had been, been dwelling there. And, and it sounded like a great plan, very reasonable. In fact, even Nathan told David in First Chronicles 17.2, Do all that's in your heart, for God is with you. But God had other plans. God said, You will not build for Me a temple. Moreover, He says that the Lord will build a house for you. In other words, you're not going to build it for Me. Rather, I'm going to build a house for you. And the house that he was talking about was the, the whole Davidic dynasty. Is what he's talking about. The, the house of the Messiah that would reign forever and ever. However, there is implications there. It's the son, Solomon, who would then eventually build a temple, build a house for the Lord. And we come here to 1 Chronicles 29. All David could do was raise funds so that his son could build this temple for the Lord. And that's right where we come in chapter 29. The congregation was really in the midst of a fundraising movement, if you will. Kind of what they did fundraising is about. We're doing fundraising. Just kind of putting it out there. You know, we're not, not pledging. We're not, we're just kind of saying, hey, here it is. What can you give? You know, not this big, long drive, whatever. It's kind of what David did. He just put it out there. I want to read the whole text for you and then I want to walk through it. My message this morning is entitled, Giving for the Temple. And um, in many ways, it helps us consider giving for a church building. It's what you can would have there. Then King David, First Chronicles 29.1, said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom God alone has chosen, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced. And the work is great, for the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, and the iron for the things of iron, and the wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of antimony and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver... I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple, namely 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings of gold for the things of gold and of silver for the things of silver. That is, for all the work done by the craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Puts the question out there. Then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with the overseers over the king's work offered willingly. And for the service for the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver and 18,000 talents of brass and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel, the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth 
Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and You exalt Yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from You, and You rule over all. And in Your hand is power and might, and it lies in Your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now therefore, our God, we thank You and praise Your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from You and from Your hand we have given You. For we are sojourners before You and tenants as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build You a house for Your holy name, it is from Your hand and all is Yours. Since I know, O my God, that You try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you and give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes and to do them all and to build the temple for which I have made provision." Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly bless the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. And on the next day they made sacrifices to the Lord and offered burnt offerings to the Lord, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, and a thousand lambs, with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. So they ate and drank that day before the Lord with great gladness. Well, there's the text before us. It's really proposed of David giving, saying, who wants to give? They gave in abundance, willingly. David offers a prayer to God. They sacrifice these things in great joy. That's what's taking place here. My, and I just want to really pull out of here just principles that took place then that I think are very applicable to us today as well. Just talk about giving. First of all, giving is for the Lord. Look at verse 1. Then King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still too young, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For, here it is, the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. So it's just a, a reminder for all of us. Yes, a purchase of a building will help us. A purchase of a building will be beneficial for us. I know some of you will appreciate having soft pews to sit in rather than these chairs. Josh, is that for you? <laughs> yeah, Josh. Josh is a problem. Shrink or something, okay? <laughs> It'll be beneficial for us. But bottom line though, is when you talk about a building, the building is for the Lord. It's for His glory. It is simply a tool that we can use so as to give God glory. In many ways, I think we as a church body, having been here in this place for uh, more than eight years, almost nine are in a good point really to see a perspective about how a building might help us. Having been without a church building for so long, we can see clearly the ways in which a permanent structure could help us <clears throat> to glorify the Lord. Uh, I think about several different categories of ministries. I think about equipping ministries. And in some regard, they'd be a lot easier to take place. Midweek meetings uh, can be just there at, at a church building. Um, Sunday night services, anytime you want to gather again for a Sunday night for any reason, it could be done uh, very easily. We could do that here, but it, 
does entail some difficulties, but there you just meet. Small groups can meet the meeting. It can be a, a central hub for fellowship. Uh, things can just happen there. We could have concerts or speakers come in easily. I, I've long thought about a Bible conference, um, but it's just, uh, you know, with Rockford Christian here, it's kind of hard. Friday nights they have activities. Saturdays, it's more, more work. We could just kind of open up the building and say, here it is. So those kind of things can, can help us to be more easy um, easy to have with the building. But beyond that, you know, the church building can be used for outreach as well. I mean, first of all, I can just advertise that, hey, we are a presence here. I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, where's your church building? I say, well, we don't have a church building. We meet here. And, okay, where's Rockford Christian? But if you have a church building, it can help even communicate some things. I know that we'll have opportunities, especially a new church comes into town, we can... Uh, Canvas, even the, the neighborhood right there around the church. Hey, you interested in church? You can walk to church. Here, come meet us at Rock Valley Bible Church just right down the street. We can reach out to the community and showing love to the community, just saying, you know what, what we have is, is there to give and to be used. <clears throat> we can use the building for things. I mean, I, I can envision it being used for blood drives, just helping the community. Oh, you need a place hospital? You need some blood here? Why don't you... Why don't you come here and, and use this place here? Perhaps polling place for elections. Get people outside the outside um, the church to come in and see what's there. There can be evangelistic literature for people to take. It's just fine. Allow various groups to use the building, just serving. Um, whether it be Cub Scouts or some other kind of group, we can just use it to serve the community for the betterment of the city. Right? For those of us in our small groups, we can talk about that. After school tutoring programs. Um, all those kind of things. They take manpower, certainly, but that could be used, certainly, there as well. The field available for Little Leagues. We can uh, make a... This is... Uh, my wife's vision is to have a, a giant play area where moms can come with some gospel literature right there. Uh, just make an attractive place for people to come, bring their kids, and yet then have an influence, potential influence upon their life. Also, people come to churches seeking help. Sometimes the riffraff come, just whatever. Out of, we, can, we can do that. We can reach out to people. We can speak with people more so than now. Few will come to my home. Many more would come to a building. Because the building is for the Lord and our giving is for the Lord. Second point, giving is for everybody. Verses 2-8. through eight. We can see here even King David, first of all, talking about how much he gave. He said in verse 2, Now with all my ability... He's even speaking there about just with, with everything that I can do, here's what I have done. And I have provided for the house of my God gold and silver and bronze and iron and stones of precious value. And then, and then he pulls also from the treasury as well. I'm not sure exactly what was his and what was treasury, but he then lists how much he gave. He says he gave 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver. Now, Whenever you look back and see measurements and weights and things like that, it's kind of hard to know exactly what, how much it is. In the Margin NIV Bible, their estimate was 110 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. How much is that worth, Phil? Thousand dollars an ounce, right? Sixteen ounce, sixteen thousand dollars a pound. Ten times two thousand. I don't know. That's that's a lot. <laughs> Just what a lot he gave. And even if the estimate was even a tenth of that, which sometimes is really hard to estimate, that's still ten tons of gold. He was going to lay out the inside walls um, of, the, of the temple with those things. If you look there in verse 4, 
Towns refined to overlay the walls of the buildings with solid gold and with solid silver. It's a lot. Some came from his own personal wealth. I think that's what he's talking about, my ability. Some came from the royal treasury. I do believe, though, here that this was something that was on his heart years before he'd wanted to build this temple. And now he kind of had the opportunity to give. I believe he gave sacrificially from his heart, ready to give. And I think the principle here is that the importance of a leader giving to the effort. Ought to give sacrificially. And I know Yvonne and I have talked about how much we're going to give to this. And let me just, I'm not going to give 3,000 talents of gold, alright? But we will give sacrificially. I'm not going to tell you how much we're going to give, but you just know we're going to give sacrificially, is what we are doing. And trusting that others will follow. That's what David did. He starts off saying, hey, here's what we're doing. And then he said, in the end of verse 5, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And consecrating himself to the Lord basically means I'm going to just devote what I have to God. I'm just going to sanctify myself for God. And basically he says, who's, who's willing to give as well? That's really the, the question of what's being asked there. And it's really the question of our day. Who then is willing to give to a purchase of a church building? It's the question then. It's the question now. And apparently there were many who were ready to give. In verse 6, we see the different people. There were rulers. There were princes of the tribes and commanders of thousands of hundreds. There were overseers. It seems like there were more, more leaders here were giving. But they outgave King David, giving 5,000 talents of gold and 10,000 talents of silver. And then we see the details there of the brass and the iron that they gave. But it makes sense that they would give more. But I think they even gave more than was in the royal treasury. They gave more than the, what their savings was as a kingdom and as a nation. And then you see even further down beyond that, verse 8... It kind of, I think this extends it even to more people. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord. And really, my call this morning is for all of us, whether you're a leader, whether you know, you're a head of a household, or whether you're a child in a household, I'd really call all of you to consider giving to this event. Just say this, that in the course of your life, there'll be a few times we have opportunities to be engaged in something like this. Where you can make a sacrifice and do something of a, of a bigger scale for the Lord. And I just say this, I would encourage all of you because of the blessing that can come to all of you. Children, I especially encourage you to think. Nathan and Becca and Conrad and KB. Just really encourage you guys to think about what, what it is you want to give. Now, I know that you guys don't have a lot. But think about the poor widow who put in her two mites. She didn't have very much either, right? But what did Jesus say of her? Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned. All she had to live on. And it may just be the children outgive the adults. Oh, they won't outgive us money wise. But it may be in God's eyes they outgive us. What a wonderful thing that would be, huh? Just have kids make some sacrifice of what they can. Now, the reason I'm, I'm asking for the kids, I'm not trying to suck out every last penny from everything that we can have as a church, all right? Um, that's not. Um, we got 144,000 gold. We need every penny, every cent. You know, I, um, 
quite frankly, we don't. I think that we'll get there. I believe that we get there. But my heart is for all of you to be involved because there's a chance for a blessing to come upon your life. Now, I know for some of you parents, difficult times are coming. Are there? Unemployment? Lance? Difficult? Um, I know that some family situations facing lives. Right. You, Michelle? Um, there's been some unemployment, underemployment for a while, trying to catch up. Some of you aren't fully employed like you want to be. Some have taken on some recent financial burdens that tied up some money. Actually, that's okay. God knows all those circumstances. And I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to say, okay, you need to give this, you need to give this. But just know, God knows, and God knows what a sacrificial gift would give. And I would encourage you, even if the amount is small, give a small amount. Just give something. Just be a part of that because it's for all is giving is. It's not the leaders. It's everyone. Whoever has, whatever you have. You know, you might think about some creative ways to do it. You might say, you know what, this hunk of furniture here, it's nice, but we don't need it. We can sell it. We'll give the proceeds here. You can say, I'm going to stop. You know, I, I like this and I have this every morning on my way to work, but I... You know, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to take that for a year and give that. You, you can be creative in, in any different way you are. I know that there's lots of things. You can have a garage sale. And, and I just encourage you to be creative. Think about ways you can, you can give. All of us. But in your giving, I do want to make sure that you give willingly. Give willingly. And that comes right here in verse 5. The, the nature of the question. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. <clears throat> David isn't trying to force people or pressure them out of compulsion. He's not guilt-tripping them. He's, he's not trying to manipulate them in any way. He's simply asking them a question. Who's willing to give? And with a question, there's an implied call. So we give is the implied call here. Right? And I'm, I just say that's my question to you. Who's willing to give? I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just asking a question, calling you to give to the project. Those in David's day were willing to give. You look at verse 6. The rulers and the princes, the commanders, right at the end of that verse, it says they offered willingly. This word, it's not an accident this word is here. They offered willingly. They desired to do this. And this is how God has always desired His people to give. Even in the days of Christ where we live today, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 9.7, Each one of you must do just as he's purposed in his own heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you think about what you're planning to give towards this project, I'd encourage you to give willingly. Give be- In other words, give because you want to. Give because you want to say, you know what, God? I'm not going to treasure, lay up treasures here on earth. I'm going to lay up treasures in heaven. I'm just going to give this to you. Serve Him in that way. And I say that if it's under compulsion... Don't give. God, God takes no delight in giving under compulsion. Remember when Jesus um, talked about the Pharisees who divided the mint and the cumin? He, he was speaking against them. He said, you guys are so... You're, you're doing that totally out of obligatory giving. He says, no, nah, you should give out of grace. Give out of love to God. That's how giving has always been. You say, how can I give willingly? Well, look at verse 9. The people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. And, and notice the conjunctions here. For 
or because, or this is how they know they offered so willingly, they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced. I think that's the key to being, to being a willing giver is to offer it with your whole heart. In other words, no internal wrestlings about the giving. No doubts. Well, should we give this or not? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, You know what? That's not how they gave. They gave willing, as it says here in verse 9, with a whole heart. Well, it's yes. This is what I want to give. And I just want to bless. So here, here it is. I'm giving that way. And this whole willing aspect came up again. Look at verse 17. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, David says, I've willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. And that's what we desire to see at Rock Valley Bible Church. Any money that's given is given just willingly. Just here it is. And look what the giving resulted in. It resulted in joy. Verse 9, the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. And for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. That's my fourth point. Giving is an opportunity for joy. We see joy in the people. Verse 9, beginning. We see joy in David. Verse 9 at the end. And here's a principle of life for you to know. Is that... Um, do you want to be happy? Do you want to be a happy person? Be a giving person. That's how you can be happy. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's a giver and there's a receiver. The receiver is on the end of getting things. And Jesus said, you know, one of these two people is more blessed. Which one? It's the one who gave. The one who depletes himself of resources to give to others. It's more blessed to be this person. Now, it's blessed to be on the receiving end too. Particularly when there's a need and it's being met. There's a blessing there. But realize the greater blessing comes in the giving. Giving people are happy people. Giving people are joyful people. It might not seem that way, but that's just how it is. You find someone unhappy, find someone depressed, say, how about you start giving? Just give. Give your time. Give of some money. Give, give something. Hudson Taylor said it this way, the less I spent on myself and the more I gave to others, the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. Proverbs 22, verse 9 says it this way, he who is generous will be blessed. Be generous with people, you'll be blessed. Oh, maybe not financially. This is where health, wealth, prosperity gets it wrong because they say, you give to others, God's going to give money back to you. It may just be that you are blessed spiritually with joy and happiness rather than financially because... Financially, it's going the other way. I'm losing resources by giving to others. They're gaining what God basically says makes it up in abundance in happiness and joy. And I say there's a blessing. Whether it's giving your finances to the church, whether it's giving your finances to a needy family, whether it's giving your time to serve others, whether it's giving your resources to meet in time of need, the generous man will be blessed. And I say the project we set before you here is an opportunity to be bigger than most opportunities you have in life to give. And with the bigger the opportunity, there's a bigger opportunity for joy. God loves a cheerful giver. And God will give joy to those who give generously. And I just, as I think about Rock Valley Bible Church and I see just the joy of things that happen here, 
Look at verse 9 again. What it says, The people rejoiced because they'd offered so willingly. It was this willing offer that made them so happy. You know, you know when a, a church is manipulated and pushed to give out of guilt and they give, there's no joy in that. But the joy comes when a, a call goes out and says, are you ready to give? And they give and there's an abundance and there's happiness all around. And I, as a pastor, I love happy church. Okay? I, I don't like it when church is filled with conflict and strife. And I see the, the potential here at Rock Valley Bible Church to see the joy spread among the people and among the King. And it'd be great. Let's move on. Giving is for the Lord. It's for everybody. Should be willing. Uh, should be willingly. Giving is an opportunity for joy. Giving also is an opportunity for worship. Verse 10. Look at when the giving is done. That's verse 9. Verse 10 comes about. David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens on the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord. And You exalt Yourself, as said, over all. Both riches and honor come from You. And You rule over all. And in Your hand is power and might. And it lies in Your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank You and praise Your glorious name. I mean, these are words of abounding praise to God. Okay. And I say this, few verses in all the Bible pile up attributes of God so densely as this portion of Scripture right here. The Psalms, you, you will look hard to find anything as condensed as this. Now, certainly there are some, but few are, are this compact. We hear some phrases like this compact in the end. In Revelation, we say, blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and might and power and blessing be to our God and to the Lamb who sits on the throne. That kind of language is there. But it's, it's pretty rare. But look at how much David says here. He says, as our Father, verse 10, forever and ever. He says that God has the greatness and God has the power and God has the glory and God has the victory and God has the majesty and God has the dominion and God is exalted over all. God has the riches. God has the honor. God rules over all. He makes great whom He wants and He strengthens whom He desires. That is pure, unadulterated worship. It says God is is great. He's got everything and He's the one that strengthens us. Acknowledging that God is the power, identifying ways which God is unlike us, that is worship. And he ends his little worship time here, if you will, with praise and thanks. Verse 13, Our God, we thank You and praise Your glorious name. In verse 20, we see more worship taking place. David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. And it's not just David blessing, it's all the assembly blessing the Lord. I mean, so it's David who gave and David who worships. It's the congregation who gave, it's the congregation who worships. All the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the King. And they made sacrifices the next day. All these, a thousand bulls, a thousand lambs, a thousand rams with their drink offerings and sacrifices. But a thousand, that's three thousand animals. It's a lot of animals. I mean, such was the big celebration that they had of sacrificing all of these things. 
And for us, of course, we wouldn't sacrifice like that. We would all praise to Christ who has been sacrificed for us. We can remember that once again in that. But I think about Rock Valley Bible Church and our potential of giving towards building and uh, our hope of increasing our praise because of our desire in Him. And, and my hope and prayer is that we can have some unbounded David-like worship to the Lord at Rock Valley Bible Church. Just praise and honor to Him. Uh, awe through what He has done. This project and our giving can do that. But I love the way that David puts the next phrases here in verse 14. It shows us that giving is a privilege. I'm not sure we think about it this way very often, but that's what David was saying. Verse 14, it's a privilege. Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? There's the question. We've been able to give a hundred tons of gold and who are we that we should be able to give to You, O God? Here he says, All things come from You and from Your hand we have given to You. Alright? God's there. He gives all things. It's from His hand we give to Him. So if He doesn't give to us, we can't give to Him. But look at the ability that we have to give. Oh God, how, how great You are. We are nothing. Verse 15, that's what He's saying. We're nothing. We're sojourners before You. The tenants, as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a, a shadow. And there's no hope. Oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build You a house for Your holy name... It's from your hand. It's all yours. Really, anything that we have to purchase a building, it's not like we who have done it. It's not ours. It is, it is God's who has done it. And in our project, $400,000, is not nearly the size of the temple project that they did. But catch this though, our perspective needs to be the same. Our perspective needs to be the same. We ought to say, who are we that we could offer as generously as this? You know, there are, there are a few churches in the world that be able to raise $400,000 from a group the size of ours. There certainly are some. But we have to be amazed at God's goodness allowing us to be part. Think about it. If we had a church this size in Nepal, where I'm going in a month, to raise $400,000, totally beyond their wildest dreams. There's like no way. There's no way that they could even fathom coming up with that kind of money. So think about us. We're not in Nepal. By God's sovereign design, we're here in Rockford, Illinois at this time. And it's God's grace upon us that He has blessed us to be able to give to that kind of level. It's a privilege. It, it really is. And, it, and my hope is that we all realize 
the how much a privilege it is for us to be able to give in this way. I mean, David's perspective is exactly right. Everything that we have comes from God. And everything we have to give comes from Him anyway. We're just giving back. For us to be in this position to give this sort of money all comes from the hands of the Lord. Paul said it well. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? There's nothing that you have that you didn't first receive. It's all been received first. And the only reason we're in a position to give is because God has given to us in the first place. The implications? May no arrogance come from our hearts. None. May we acknowledge that we are sojourners. Our days are like a shadow. Our gifts come from God. If we talk about talk with people in the community, hey, where you go to Rock Valley Bible Church? Yeah, we just bought a building. Don't talk like that. So God has given us money so that we could give it to have a building. Give praise to God just like David. And who am I? Who are we that we should be able to do this? Let's realize our position is one of position, a privilege. We can give only because God is first blessed. We can give only because God has first blessed. It's a privilege. Alright, our last point. Giving's for the Lord. It's for everybody. It should be willingly. It's an opportunity for joy. It's an opportunity for worship. It's a privilege. Here it is, verse 7. It's for the future. In verse 18 and 19, David directs his prayer really towards the future of Israel at this point. He's about to die anyway. His mind's probably more on the future. He knows he's not even going to be around. He never saw the temple, by the way. He gave and never saw the temple. It was Solomon who built it for him. His giving, his sacrifice wasn't for himself, it was for the future. He said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, O God, the one who has been faithful throughout all these generations, be faithful still. Preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all and to build the temple for which I have made provision. So as we think about this project, I would encourage you to think about it for the future. Yes, the building's for us. Yes, it will benefit us. Yes, the need of the moment is here. But really think about it for the future. It's for others. It's for future generations to come and use. We're not merely seeking a, a building for us. Who knows, a job may take you out of town. It may not be here. It's not just for us. Really, we're seeking to purchase a building for others, especially as we think maybe about reaching out, having others come. It's really, really we're doing this for the sake of others, for the sake of the Gospel and the glory of God. We're seeking to use the building to reach out, serve the community, and help others find God. And thus, David's prayer here in verse 18 is good. Preserve this forever and direct their heart to you. Preserve this forever in the intention of the heart of your people. Right? Basically, he's saying, he's saying, keep their hearts. Direct their hearts to God. Yes, it's going to be this building. And yes, it's going to be grand. Yes, it's going to be glorious. But, but keep their hearts focused upon you. And as we think about future prospects of owning a building, that, that's got to be our, our plea. It's my plea. 
God direct our hearts to you through this process. My prayer to God is that He might preserve this in our hearts forever. And you know what? There may be, there will be disappointments along the way. Money's allocated differently. Think about David's prayer here, verse 19. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart. What happened there? Didn't stay perfect. Do you know Solomon went astray? And as a result of Solomon going astray, all Israel went astray. As a result, the temple came into disrepair. In fact, there's one time you can read about it in 2 Chronicles 34 when uh, the Bible was lost. I mean, so much of a disarray, so much confusion, you know, stuff was happening, but the Bi- they didn't even have the Bible anymore. The David's prayer made this last. It wasn't fully answered. Eventually, the temple was disrepaired. Eventually, the temple was destroyed. Its riches were carried off to Babylon. There's nothing of the temple left today. In fact, remember when Jesus said, no stone upon the temple mount will be left unturned? Everything on the temple mount, everything that, David, that Solomon built, everything that David gave for was gone just a thousand years later. And many times throughout the history of the church, church buildings have been misused. Um, in England, um, churches are becoming mosques in great number. Um, churches in this land have turned liberal. In fact, what, they turn liberal so often, one man has said, why build church buildings? The liberals will take it over anyway. Good question. Churches have used resources for their own means. Listen, we can't protect from that. Even David the temple wasn't protected in that. However, we can pray, verse 18, there are places that do preserve. We can pray in verse 18, preserve this forever in the intent of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. Because that is, that is the aim, is that God would use any building that we get to direct our hearts, their hearts, to God. And that's my prayer this morning. It's a good prayer for you all to pray that God, this building, may it be used for, for you and your glory. May our hearts ever, ever be directed unto you. Okay. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that we would just give our lives completely to you in every way. Our time, our talent, and our treasures. It's often said. Uh, help us in these days. Uh, I pray that you would finalize things this week with uh, Phil dealing with the realtor, that we might have a uh, um, just a, a solid offer before we get in there, a solid contract that we can kind of look, think about dates, think about. I would pray that you would show all of us how it is that we can give to you. Um, Lord, that we could proceed with this. And yet in all of it, God, I pray that we would be content how You lead. We plan our way, but You direct our steps. So God, uh, we really do believe that. And would pray You teach us a a holy contentment in You. Um, And yet we see the joy that's there, the privilege that we can have of this, the, uh, uh, the way in which we can be stirred to worship You in greater ways than ever before. 
and would pray that you would, would help us. And I pray that any building we would buy, O oh Lord, it would be used to help preserve our hearts, that they might be kept forever, that generation after generation, what a wonderful thing if we would buy a church building that would stay true for a thousand years. And uh, Lord, we do just trust you with these things. Help us and guide us in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.